bird. It's a plane. Well, hello, beautiful. Listen up, casual. You've got a plan. I'm afraid my protocols are being overridden. Game over, man. <laughs> Listen up, casuals. This is Rocco. And this is Chris. And thanks for joining us on our pilot episode. This is going to be an episode all about pilots and flying airplanes. Wait, no, no. What? No, yeah, I know. That doesn't make any sense. Um, No, this is our inaugural episode of Listen Up Casuals. And this is the most important show you'll ever listen to, especially if you're enjoying... um, anything in pop culture right now which seems to be very uh comic book driven yeah for the last 20 years now uh and it 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 really doesn't show any signs of slowing down honestly no it doesn't and and you know what i'm here for all of it i love all of it and um the reason we're here is we're here to really talk about this show or talk about these shows um, these movies from the standpoint of the fact that Chris and I are avid comic book readers and we, there's a, there's a huge, what we would call casual audience around this stuff. Oh, and, I, uh, oh sorry. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I absolutely agree. I mean, if it's, it's on Disney plus, so it's reaching so many more audiences, I, you know, growing up on Disney movies alone, now having a streaming service, I couldn't even imagine that, but kids are, kids are seeing it. They're getting the merchandise. Of course it's Disney and it's just, it's everywhere. So it's it's really exciting, honestly, especially since I was a you know a fan since I was a kid as well. Uh, so keep keep those generations going, I think. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I'll be uh, I'll be honest. The inspiration from the show, Chris, um, one of my really, really good buddies, I grew up with him. Um, he's one of my closest friends. Um, his wife, <laughs> um, she first of all, she gave me the honor of being her Sherpa through her first Star Wars watch. Ooh. And um, if you know about Sherpa-ing someone through their first Star Wars watch, and she did it right, four, five, and six, um, one, two, and three, and seven, eight, and nine, under my tutelage. And if I'm correct, I believe she's also watched The Mandalorian, um, you know, for nothing else but the sake of Baby Yoda. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> and then, um, you know, she just watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we were talking about it and she had questions um, and they, not like, you know, well, you know, tons of stuff, but just, you know, she enjoyed it and it made me happy to see someone enjoying the stuff that I read as a younger person or, or watched as a younger person or enjoyed as a younger person and kind of grew up with um, you and I are very avidly against um, what did you call it? Goalkeeping or gatekeeping gatekeeping? Yes. Gatekeeping, um, for those of you that don't know, is a is a term used by the geek community, or at least a sect of that community, that would tell, like, my buddy's wife, for instance, to fuck off. She's not a real fan. And that's not really fair. What? Yeah, exactly. That's not really fair. Like, I want her and her and anyone she knows and every anyone I know to be into these fandoms. It makes me happy to share that with the world. Exactly. And it's... And the- and the more that casuals are out there enjoying it, the more that there's going to be, I'm going to say more again, unfortunately, uh, more of these shows and movies for you know years to come. I mean, look at what Marvel Marvel's doing alone. They have this entire TV universe already shaping up that lead into the the Phase Four movies. It's all part of Phase Four. It's you know it's epic. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I you know just once we are all able to go back to the movies again, it's just July. It starts back up with Black Widow. Uh, I just I can't wait for society to get back to somewhat somewhat normal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just not only the fact of going back to the theater, but seeing Marvel in the theater once again. I mean, it's been years yeah. now. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I can't wait to be able to go to the movie theater again in this post COVID world. That's still not really that post, if you will. But with that being said, um, so thank you to her for inspiring the show. Um, 
any of you, um, if you are a person that casually watches this show but hasn't picked up or has casually watches these Marvel shows, movies, you know, maybe you watch The Mandalorian but you've never seen a Star Wars movie, um, you maybe you're a fan of the Batman Nolan films with the Heath Ledger Joker but you've never read a Batman comic this show is going to break those things down what we loved what we hated what came from the comic why certain characters are important and what this stuff means so please give us a listen um share like um subscribe thank you for being here today so listen up casuals um we're gonna start um tonight because it's our first episode with kind of chris and i's uh, a brief background of why we consider ourselves somewhat professional <laughs> in this uh, realm. Um, so I myself grew up on comic books. Um, growing up, I read Spider-Man, I read X-Men, and I read uh, my man Daredevil. Um, and if I, God, I grew up on um, like a Frank Miller's Daredevil. Um, oh, yeah. Like that was, I have the omnibuses of that stuff right now. And for those of you that don't know, the omnibus is like the huge books that are like, you know, like a hundred comics. Yeah, they're very expensive. Um, but I got the Frank Miller collection for Daredevil I got recently. And it's funny how many of those I read as a kid that like I should not have really read. <laughs> um, Where was that, that that rating at that time? T for right? teen, M for mature. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, right now, however, I am reading everything in the Bat Family. Um, including I'll be starting Wonder Girl soon with the new Yara Floor, which I'm really pumped about. Yes. Um, I am reading in Marvel. I'm still reading Daredevil, and I'm reading everything Star Wars. If it's Star Wars and Marvel, I'm reading it. I'm also reading Black Widow. I'm reading Iron Man um, in terms of Marvel right now. Um, and then I'm reading some indie comics, too. Um, and once in a while, we'll talk about you know our friends over at DFAT Comics. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that would be my background and what I'm reading now. Chris, what about you, man? Yeah, like you, I grew up exposed to comic uh, comic properties. So I, I remember when I was young, I was very much into uh, Superman. Uh, and then next it was Batman, especially from the 89 movie, right? And so I think a lot of that media, the, you know, watching the movies and the TV shows, and then I watched Batman the Animated Series, a very impressionable age. Um, and now I show that to my nephews and I'm like, this is pretty mature for that age. And I was that age mm-hmm. when I watched it. You know, it's like these, these great, like you mentioned, um, Daredevil might have been on the spinner at the, at the grocery store in the, in the line. So here, here, kid, here, here's a comic or whatever. Yep. So yep. it's just, it was a much different time because of <laughs> the rating systems, but I grew up first as Superman. And then I went to these anti-heroes um, and gotten X-Men and like Wolverine and stuff like that. And then all those cartoons. Um, and I stopped reading comics probably in late middle school. Um, and I didn't really get back into reading, reading comics until 2005, 2006, 2006. Oh, wow. It was, um, it was house of X uh from brian michael bendis uh okay. that really i was like oh and then it just it caught me and they were just starting all those major event things every year and it was just kind of like spitting out of control and i was just like i'm in i'm in mm-hmm. for this cross um cross storytelling all the shared universe stuff um and i was and i read marvel very hardcore until um until right before the new 52 mm-hmm. uh because i had always been buying batman and I've bought Batman since I don't even know 2000, 2006. So um, I got more and more into DC because of a friend of mine. Um, and he'd be like, read this, read this. And uh, so I kind of I moved away from Marvel for a while and I, I would still mm-hmm. pick up some stuff. And I've read DC pretty hardcore for the last now, you know, 10 years. Uh, so and what I'm reading right now, um, I am totally into Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, Superman uh, arc right now. Uh, and the upcoming um, John Ken taking over the mantle. It's a very interesting thing because you and I did that Future State uh, mm-hmm. show and we read what could be. And so a lot of these comics are setting up like the ones you're reading, of course, are mm-hmm. um, the Superman comics are. And so it's exciting because it's another phase of DC happening right now. Um, and then the other side of things, we've uh, been reading a lot of Star Wars comics because we do that, that great Star Wars comic show. 
uh, for Star Wars. Yep. And I, I just, you know, you and I are huge Star Wars fans, so I love expanding that universe. And that's, you know, that's there's so much other stuff. I don't want to just keep rambling on. Sorry. No, no, those man, are my it's mains. All good. Those it's all main. good. It's all good. <laughs> I do have to say, Future State Gotham. I already read today, and you'll enjoy it. Um, and I suggest it for anyone. Um, I will. I will end uh, uh, this kind of our introduction here. One thing that's always bothered me is that I feel like DC has the far better comic book world, far better comics, but Marvel's movies and television shows are like head and shoulders above what DC has been able to offer thus far. But let's hope for Robert Pattinson in the Batman film. Yes. But we are definitely going to be talking about the Batman on this show when that movie finally comes out. But with wore that my being shirt said, yesterday. You what? I said I wore my shirt yesterday. Hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. Well, let's talk about your shirt now, because that's what we're here to oh. talk about tonight. We're here to talk about the Disney Plus show that ran for six episodes. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, we're going to dive into that right now. And that was Fal- the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, now, with this, um, I'm going to be honest here. I am a I avid comic book reader. I know more than your average bear about Captain America, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier. However, luckily, my co-host, Chris, he is, he's got this stuff on lock. So he's going to be giving not just you an education tonight, but I'm going to be getting a nice little education tonight. And I'm really, really excited about it. This is why I'm here. So, Chris. Yes, that's, that's me. The Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier, man. Um, Loved it, man. It was it was so, so awesome. Um, the biggest thing here is you have you have Steve, who was Captain America, obviously. Then, you know, the government goes ahead and gives that shield to um, oh man. Uh, John well, Walker. John Walker, you, who ends up being U.S. agent. And then we have Falcon and Bucky. And this kind of veers, as far as I understand, veers from the comic, um, you know, that kind of that progression. And I didn't know if maybe we wanted to start there in terms of progression of the mantle. I would I would love to do that uh, because I think talking about the mantle is an important thing. And a lot, you know, I'm, I, I think a lot of people have seen Captain America and most of those movies. I hope. They're on Disney yeah. Plus. If not, if you've been watching Falcon Winter Soldier, I'm sure now you're interested. But go watch those movies. They're they're my favorite out of all the MCU movies. But yeah. we have to go back and really kind of just mention where that that mantle started, um, and also the fact that since the Winter Soldier, I, I don't know why we still call him that right now, but the White Wolf, we should call him. Um, mm-hmm. Where he, that he is also as old in the comics as Captain America. They were both mm-hmm. created in 1941. Uh, by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Uh, and so that was in Captain America Comics number one. And that's and that's an amazing thing. Uh, Bucky was kind of, he was looked at it as kind of like a Robin. And so, yeah, that's you read, what I, I, yeah, yeah, right? I read that today that really on the, on the opposite side, Bucky, Bucky Barnes um, was kind of Marvel's answer to Robin if Captain America was their answer to Batman. So yeah, yeah, I read that. It's yep. interesting. It was wild to me, but anyway. Yeah. And so that, that origin story is 1940s and you've gone back and read classic comics. I'm sure golden age comics and I have, it's not, it's not really a good entry point for people who want to be where we are today. They're great reference. I will, I'll buy those mega omnibuses as, as Rocco mentioned earlier, uh, that collect, tons of stories because you can just get them cheap at comic cons usually um and but what i do like is when a when an author will basically retcon the story for the new age and that happened when they brought uh bucky back from the dead all right because bucky um and they retconned how he died and all that stuff and so when they brought bucky back it was uh it was i'm sorry it was uh, ed brubaker and steve epting and that was in 2005 right and so that was under the Winter Soldier, um, which easily became one of my favorite characters at that time. Yeah, um, I have to say, you know, his character, uh, played by Sebastian Stan, 
really, really grew on me and the depth that they gave him. Um, just awesome stuff. And I can't wait to dig more into that. But anyway. Yeah, Winter Soldier is my favorite MCU movie. It's in my top 10 favorite movies, I think, of all time. It's, I would say in MCU movies, it's definitely in my top five over all MCU films. If not, like sometimes, like I just watched it again recently and just it really gave the MCU a depth that it didn't have before. There were films that came out after it with depth, but the Winter Soldier really as a film was, and if you haven't seen it, Listen up, casuals. You should be you should be watching Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. Absolutely. I mean, it it propelled us into phase two. And so, you know, with phase one, they introduced all the heroes. So if you really want to start somewhere, do that, of course. And it's all lined up for you on Disney Plus, the best place to watch it. I mean, I will, Disney Plus doesn't even pay us for ads. I'm just throwing it out there. Sorry. Sorry, no. every other streaming service. <laughs> but... <laughs> So so back to what you're saying in 2005, yes. um, comic book wise, um, Bucky was brought back to life, but under the name the Winter Soldier. And it would be a big reveal that the Winter Soldier was actually James Buchanan Barnes. That's correct. It was, you know, it was just after they brought back Jason Todd as Red Hood. Yeah, it was just an amazing, crazy time because it really ended that rule that um about the comic book death that only you know those were the two and <laughs> not anymore people but the best part about that is that they brought them back as two of the most awesomest characters right now in 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 the comics uh Absolutely. so no re- no regrets um so i do recommend that you guys also read there's a small little arc that ed brubaker bit did where he retconned the bucky story so they could line it up better with what happened uh, in the Winter Soldier comics, uh, Bruce Baker wrote uh, Captain America from 2005 to 2009, and then uh, another time when he, when uh, Steve Rogers died during Civil War, and Bucky took up the mantle. So that is something that is totally um, passed over in the MCU. Yes, that's something. So I, being in the Avengers and in the comics, I mean, being a comic book reader. You, you always knew that Bucky took it first. Um, he was the next in line. He picked up the Captain America shield. Um, I guess an uh, I, I guess an argument can be made. Is can there be a John Walker argument in that as the next person to pick up, or was Walker really like the third person to pick it up? I don't know. He would be the third, right? Because it would be Isaiah. Did, no, did he ever even get a shield? <laughs> That know. see, and then that's the other thing is you throw Isaiah in there, and I definitely want to talk about Isaiah tonight. Oh, we will. Oh, we will. Um, but you know, we have, in essence, really the the moral of the story right now that we're getting to is that Bucky was passed over, um, in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier the show, yeah. and I think that sometimes you look at what they do, com against the comic. Versus the comic, we'll say, right? And you've got a lot of your um, classic blunders um, that deviate from the comic, like, um, you know, the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy films. You know, Hellboy had a much darker tone than those movies. They did really well in those movies, but they really didn't capture that. And you can see it. You can feel it. You can you're just like, oh, I don't I'm not sure. I like this movie, but eh. but with Falcon and Winter Soldier, they did get do away with Bucky getting the shield first. But I think they did it in a good, smart and relevant way. What What do you think about the way that they got rid of that? I think I can really uh related to how sam was treated as captain america in the comics uh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i you know i really enjoyed when bucky was captain america i i love that run um he you know it was a crazy thing when steve rogers got assassinated i was i told you i got back in the comics with those big crossovers it all led to civil war and civil war was um was orchestrated by Mark Millar, who um, wrote Jupiter's Legacy, which just came out mm-hmm. on Netflix. Uh, and it was just, it was, it, it was crazy. So um, to have that happen uh, and then have it handed over to a character who had just been a villain 
in in his not in his home, you know, it's kind of like in the show, and it's not his fault. Um, but it, it it was just, I think, uh, one of the the smartest things they could have ever done is give it to Sam. And I think that let's talk about Sam a little bit next because sure, um, Sam Wilson, uh, the Falcon was created in Captain America uh, 117 uh, in 1969 by Stan Lee and Gene Colan. And so did you know that at one point the Falcon was a mutant? Yeah, I, so I did, I knew that as a mutant, he could speak to birds. That was his, like he had a power, that was his power. Now I will say this. I knew that before this show and I knew that before the article you sent me. Um, but I knew that very recently, <laughs> it oh. was still very recent that I knew that, um, Falcon was not really a comic that I, um, was exposed to, um, even as a younger person. Um, and I think that that's unfortunate and it's just because it goes back to, it's a black character, you know, and I think it lines up with the show very much so in the relevance of that. And that's, that's really it. You know, it it makes me sad, but that's the way it is. But again, he was a mutant and he could talk to birds, which was, which is wild, a a far different Sam. (laughs) Yeah. So he went through all these different versions. Uh, but then in, it was when he became Captain America, uh, it was in volume seven, uh, number 25. All right. So that's, that's the issue. If you guys want to go get a key issue, it's first Sam cap. But here's the thing. It wasn't it was kind of just like mowed over by the fact that Secret Empire uh, was happening soon after. And so with Steve Rogers still alive. Right. Uh, And then all of a sudden having this evil Steve Rogers uh, and going into that story and then bringing him back. It just really kind of covered up the whole uh, the whole Falcon being, you know, Sam being Captain America. And I think I think it's really kind of unfortunate. Uh, and I'm, I'm liking the path they're taking with this show, uh, much more. Um, absolutely. Um, I think Anthony Mackey, first of all, did a, did a gall darn up job as playing both Sam and the Falcon and Captain America. I think that what lends credence to this is the discussion around Sam picking up the stars and stripes in a world that we live in today, um, where the stars and stripes made promises that it's just not keeping to certain groups of people. I know we're going to talk about Isaiah later, but the dichotomy in their relationship in this show was incredible. Sam, both of them fought for our country. Mm Mm-hmm. And Sam didn't want to give up on what this country could be. So pick up the symbol and fight for the potential of what we can be. I think a striking thing he said is I'm going to pick up these stars and stripes and half of these people are going to hate me for it. And what a a dialogue, what a, what a monologue I should say in that speech that he had at the end of the final episode And then going back and looking at comics, I realized that even in the comics, he was very outspoken. Um, There was a a whole excerpt I read of a conversation he had with Daredevil and Luke Cage on a rooftop. And it was very racially driven um, conversation about America and what America needs. I think another good pointer is when they would name uh, black superheroes like black something. Mm-hmm. But he was never called Black Falcon. And they and when Eli calls him that in the show, it's kind of just a throwback to that and just kind of a dig at it. But it's just the the whole the whole race tension that we're going through in current, you know, current day society, bringing that to the small screen in such a powerful way. It just it really it really blew me, you know, blew me away. And I was just I was just really impressed that Marvel took that stand uh, and gave us gave us this really good uh, chapter in the Captain America saga. Absolutely. And, and even the scene with the police, yeah, you know, uh, is this guy bothering you? Do you know who this is? And, and the fact that Bucky couldn't understand to, to Bucky that shield was the last family he had and Sam rejected it. 
and he couldn't understand. He couldn't. I think that that was an excellent allegory to the black experience and how we couldn't, we can't understand it. And for Bucky to apologize and, and frankly admit that he didn't understand it, I think was very powerful. Um, so again, I think that even though they skipped over the whole Bucky storyline of being the next Captain America and going right to Sam Wilson was not only a smart move for today's society, but it wasn't shoehorned. It wasn't just he's black, make him Captain America. It's no, this is, there's a comic precedent one that they can use. Mm-hmm. And, and two, they didn't make it this. He's Captain America. Now shrug your shoulders. He's Captain America. Now. Okay. There was a depth to it. There was a long story to it. He was reluctant to it. And the reasons were, were huge. And the reasons, come in when we uh, have our conversations with Isaiah, which I think we're going to get into later. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, again, hats off to Anthony Mackie. Uh, I've just, you know, on your left. I mean, since, since that first scene in winter soldier, I mean, he, he's a great character. He's a great addition. Uh, and he's a great actor who just deliver this role. Uh, and it's, it's, it's so important for kids to be seeing it these days. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, right before we go to break, that is my favorite thing. It was the, on your left is the line where theaters started exploding during Endgame. Um, on your left. So for those of you, uh, listen up, casuals, uh, in, the, in the movie Endgame, at the end, when all the superheroes come back through the portals, the first thing Sam says to Cap is, on your left. And why that's great is the the opening scene of Winter Soldier. That is the first thing Steve says to Sam ever. It's the first dialogue on your left is what he says to Sam when they first meet each other. <laughs> so, again, it was a tearjerker and a screaming moment. Um, when we come back, we're going to break down more of the Falcon and Winter Soldier. So stay tuned and keep listening, casuals. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the Campfire Chats, a DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. DFAT Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. Need more context on your favorite movie? Is Obama. Obama. As okay. He's Senator Obama. Ever wonder why they did or didn't do that thing or include that scene? This is prime. Like, this is perfect this is quality entertainment. Check out Gutsy Media Podcast as my friends and I take a deep dive into everything from blockbusters to indie films. The weakest apple cider bitch beers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's Gutsy Media Podcast for everything movies. And we are back. Listen up, casuals. We are talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I'm still Rocco. And Chris is still here. <clears throat> awesome. Um, so before we get into what we liked and what we did not like uh, from this show, uh, we would be remiss not to talk about the main villain, um, which would I would consider the Flag Smashers and Carly Morgenthau. Um, now, where this deviated from the comic is Flag Smasher was a single person, not, a, not an extremist group. Um, and for those of you that were a little concerned about, or not concerned, but a little bit, a little confused about what they were and what their, their issue was. Um, if we go back to end game, Thanos snapped his fingers when he snapped, he uh, pretty much wished away exactly 50% of the universe's population. So that is the entire universe, all living things, 50% whoosh gone in one snap. So you had folks that were very poor and you had folks 
that were very rich and had mansions, let's just say, or, or at least rich enough to have houses, and they disappeared, they evaporated. So folks that were homeless, folks that were poor, were moving into these houses, and now for about five years had been living into, in these homes because they were, they were gone. Well, the Avengers win, and Iron Man snaps his fingers, and exactly 50% of the population comes back. And with that being, these people coming back with finding random people in their house, not knowing that five years had passed. So, obviously, this is going to cause a lot of problems. World governments were looking to vote Mm -hmm. on relocating these people like they're savages, Enter the Flag Smashers and Carly Morgenthau, who don't feel that that's fair. But Sam said it best at the end. Like, that's such a hard decision. You know, there's there's nothing fair about it. There's not. And you bring up a great a great uh, event in the MCU, and it's that it's that five years, and they've played into it really well on TV so far with uh, WandaVision and now with this and just the psychology behind it uh, is really important. I think because it really brings a whole new depth to what's going on in the story and creates these new storylines, like you mentioned with the flag smashers Uh, and just it's, it was a really, I think smart move instead of bringing in some like big bulky villain that you're just Mm -hmm. like the stereotypical bad guy who, Brock Lesnar or whatever, you know, so I don't, I don't know. It just, it's, it was very intelligent. Um, actress, Erin Kellyman who played Effie's nest in solo. I mean, yep. if she doesn't play alloy in the, uh, uh, horizon zero dawn movie, I don't know what's wrong with the world. Uh, Oh my God. She looks just like alloy or oh, alloy or whatever. It's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. Um, it's got to. I, I love her. Uh, I think she's a great actress and, and she really, she her role in this, especially when Sam shows her that she's she's being evil, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was one of the best part like sequences in the show where you're making this person who really feels like they're doing the right thing, you're showing them their other ways. And it's like you are now fighting against who you are. Exactly. And I think it was awesome the way she was slowly losing grip of her group, her own group. You know, when she blew up that building and her her dude was like, there's there's people in there. And she's like, this is the only language they know is violence. And, you know, she's now becoming just like you said, the the thing that she swore to destroy. Um, And Sam playing therapist to her um, was so very Steve Rogers, Captain America. That's when I knew that that shield had to be his when he spoke to her inside, I believe that church, just the two of them, no costumes, no nothing. That also echoes back to uh, when you do meet Sam and winter soldier and he's, he's a counselor for PS PTSD uh, and he's talking yeah. to soldiers and that right there is just like, they bring it, they go full circle with that and, and just showing who Sam is. And like you said, we really see the parallel between Steve and Sam in the show. It's it's really amazing. And as they bring that out, as he addresses Carly's group uh, and just showing them that there's terrorists on both sides. And that's what that's a very important message to current day society as well. Yeah, I think when the senator said terrorists and Sam said, you need to stop calling them that. Yeah, I think that in itself said a lot since he's wearing the red, white and blue. He's wearing the Star Spangled Banner and he actually made that reference was we need you need to stop calling them that. That's where it starts. Um and that was amazing. Chris, let's get into what we loved and and what we we didn't love. Awesome. Um what do you got? Talk talk to me. Talk to me, baby. I'm going to start with what I loved. What I loved was the return of Batroc the Leaper, uh, played by George St. Pierre. Uh, I loved I loved his appearance as basically an intro villain in The Winter Soldier. And I love that they were starting to do that in comic movies. You could fit in another villain. It just had to be a fight sequence and it was over. It was such a good thing. And he's such a cheesy, cheesy ass villain from the comics. 
And I love it because every time in, when I was watching the, the opening sequence to you know, the show, he's whenever he would jump out of a helicopter, I'm, I'm yelling at the TV, the leaper, you know? And so it's just, it's just total entertainment from a comic, you know, comics point, comic lover's point of view. But I loved his return. I thought that they, they played it very well. Um, and even him coming back at the end for the supervillain showdown uh, was cool as well. So uh, I like that they brought back Batroc the Leaper. Right on, right on. Um, I I think my favorite part of this entire show was the side yet main story that was Isaiah Bradley. Um, yes. I think that in, in the comics, he is a Captain America, but instead of coming back to uh, being a hero, he came back as a prisoner. He was experimented on. Steve Rogers got a shield and got to appear on shows and was called a hero. He was a test subject. Um, I love the fact that they really uh, aligned what he went through with the Tuskegee experiments that happened in real life. Um, even the comic itself, from what I read, um, was kind of a poke at the Tuskegee experiments. For those of you that don't know what that is, the United States government forcibly gave um, units of African-American soldiers syphilis and, and didn't treat it just to see what would happen so we can study it. But because they were black to them, it just didn't matter. And that was what they were kind of alluding to with, with his story. Um, Isaiah Bradley's story was that he was given the same super, his, his unit was given the same super soldier serum that captain America was given. Steve Rogers was given and some of them died. Some of them died horribly painful deaths he didn't though he didn't reject the serum and so they experimented on him no matter how much it caused him pain how much it hurt him and i think that him telling that story and how that went down with sam really added a layer to sam picking up that shield um because he was doing it to honor isaiah and and his sacrifice by picking up the red, white, and blue. And I think that that says a lot, especially today. And then I'm going to say it at the end when they went to the Captain America Museum at the Smithsonian and there was a statue to Isaiah Bradley and his sacrifices to our country. I'm about to start crying now. I mean, I cried, I cried during that scene as it was. Um, I loved how that hit that chord for me. It, it, it was so beautifully done without ramming it down your throat. If that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The including, including that story in this show was vastly important for the narrative and just, just how sad everything you just talked about uh, was. And to be able to put that on the screen and tell people, you know, teach people about the past I mean, it happened in when I watched Watchmen, you know, and, and mm -hmm. so you're watching and then you learn about Tulsa and how bad it really was, things like that. So if 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 schools aren't going to educate people, then, you know, somebody has to about these these happenings, these terrible things that people do to people, sadly. But there is there is some positive as well. Um, so we we did also meet Eli Bradley. All right. Yes. Uh, he was played by Elijah Richardson. And mm -hmm. so. I don't know if I don't know if we should get into kind of like a spoiler thing. I don't know how to treat this because this I'm going to leave it at this. Eli Bradley is an important character for what this they've is been establishing. The, yes, this is the grandson. No, no. Yes, for those sorry. of you that yep. don't know, this is the grandson that always had a problem when Bucky and Sam rolled up to talk to his grandpa, Isaiah. That's who we're talking about. That that kid. Like, why you don't see my grandfather for? By anyway. Tolkien. Black Falcon. <laughs> uh, so they've been slowly establishing uh, what they're building towards. I'm not going to spoil anything. If you want to really know who Eli Bradley is, go look it up in on the interwebs. Uh, but get ready because I'm really excited for what comes next. Absolutely. After I read on him, um, knowing that he's of Isaiah's bloodline 
and we will stop there. Definitely look into that if you are interested. Um, we talked about what we loved, Chris. What what didn't you like about this show? I didn't like the treatment of John Walker, honestly. I oh, really? I didn't. Uh, I, I felt like they left out an important chunk of his storyline uh, when he talks about what it was at the worst minutes of his life or hours of his life. Mm-hmm. He mentions that. Right. And so how does that not set you up for a flashback of some sort? They were pushing a different narrative completely. And he did some things in it that I didn't, didn't like overall in place of this, I guess maybe for timing. I don't know, but I felt like uh, that would have given us a little bit more of an insight into why John Walker is so fragile. Uh, why, why did he break? Uh, I mean, he watched his best friend get murdered, of course, his partner. Uh, but it was just that story alone. I really, really enjoyed. And then I felt like it fell off around the later episodes. It was just like, all right, we've established that John Walker kills, kills the guy with the shield. It's, it is one of the darkest MCU moments ever. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. I mean, blood on that shield. Whoo. Crazy. I was just kind of shaking, shaking after yeah. I watched that. So, Same. um, you know, and then of course with Julia Louise drive is showing up, she, her big, her big cameo, uh, mm-hmm. which was supposed to be in black widow, but the role that she has to play and perhaps with thunderbolts, uh, yes, us agent has a role to play later on, but they just kind of left me kind of standing with the John Walker story. I wanted to know why, why, what were those, what was that time? What happened? That's it. No, I'm, I, I agree with you. Um, Mostly, you know, first of all, give it up to Wyatt Russell oh my God. for playing this character. He made so many people hate him. And Wyatt that Russell is Snake Mar- <laughs> Oh, my God. He made a good portion of the, the country, the world, hate him. And, you know, when an actor can invoke extreme big emotion out of anyone, they've done their job. They've done it well. And, and Wyatt Russell played this to a T, I think. I think that they wanted to play up that John Walker is what America is mm. and Sam is supposed to be what America is could be potentially. And I think that that's I think that blood on the shield, blood on the flag was so representative of America what it truly is and and Sam shows you what it could be and and Steve before that did that same thing. And I think that there is such a beauty in that, especially being an American. Um, honestly, the show made me proud to be an American again. I'm not going to lie. Um, based on Steve and Sam and really thinking about the two of them um, and, and the potential that our country has. Yeah. I, I've always loved that about Captain America. Right. And just, that's why I really got into Captain America. I, I always consider myself a patriot. I love my country. Mm-hmm. I I see the wrongs with it. I see the, sure. the great rights of it. Uh, and so, but that's a lot of people will be like, well, Captain America, he's just represent, you know, America, blah, blah, blah. But it's such a different side of it. Not just the political, you know, espionage fun in the books, sure. those great stories, but the parallel that he, that they draw in those books to what's going on in current day society uh, and just using mm-hmm. him as that representation that that what America should be and could be. Exactly. And I think um, Steve Rogers said it best when they said they asked him, oh, you want to go kill some Nazis? And he said, I don't want to kill anyone. I just don't like bullies. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that that not only solidifies what America could be, um, but it really solidifies Steve as a kid. I think that defines his character in that one line. I don't want to kill anyone. I just don't like bullies. And I think that that's great. (laughs) Now, what didn't I like about, about Falcon and winter soldier? Um, uh, Because I totally veered us off topic. I apologize. Um, What I didn't like is what you loved. Batrock, the leaper. I felt that they didn't do enough with him. I wanted to care. First of all, you've got Georgia St. Pierre. Okay. Arguably one of the best UFC fighters in the world. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
he did all right in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think that he could have done even better with more lines, more. I wanted to care about him more. I wanted to care about him more. You have this colorful comic book character who's absurd. He's the leaper, you know, and I just like he, he just at the end, he's like, I don't care. I just want to kill the Falcon. Why? A thug. <laughs> But like, but besides right. the opening scene, which was freaking amazing, the opening scene of that whole yeah. the whole show was wild. The helicopters was wild. Um, but you know why? I, I just felt like that there was a big opportunity missed there. That's my thought. You know, he's he's a character who could be if they're doing like a Captain America six. He's definitely getting the lead vi- villain role, man. Trust me. Trust sure. me. Until then, he's just jumping out of helicopters, you know. So, no, I, I get you. I also, you know, like I said, I loved how they just had him in the beginning of Winter Soldier. I thought that was perfect. It was kind of a repeat here. Yeah. Um, but his his involvement, I liked. And it was kind of a weird surprise that he came back at the end uh, just so they could have more power yeah. against the good guys or whatever. So I agree. Uh, it was probably just more about yelling the leaper at the TV for me. <laughs> and that's perfectly that's perfectly fine at least he had a french um, accent <laughs> he did he really he did um i think though that there's some some good honorable mentions here before we we close out for today um julia louis dreyfus um for those of you that don't know she portrayed a character that's actually called madame hydra madame hydra i think is madame hydra anyway she's like a triple agent Within S.H.I.E.L.D., she was a love interest of Nick Fury, played, you know, in the movies played by Sam Jackson. She, uh, you know, is quick-witted, and she's like the anti-Nick Fury, Mm -hmm. right, of S.H.I.E.L.D., kind of. No, absolutely. Um, That, you put it right. It's like this perfect, let's bring Hydra back. How are we going to do that? Hydra's been gone for a long time. It is a very important aspect of the Marvel Universe, we know mm-hmm. Shield's coming back, so let's let's get back into the the espionage side of things. I think that we're gonna have a really bright future with that, and yes. the fact that she's signed on for so much more, and that she's gonna be appearing in Black Widow. I'm really excited now to see that and what her role is in that movie. And I love Julia Louis Dreyfus, and mm-hmm. honestly, she had that one purple streak through her hair, oh. which was like perfect. And I'm just like, oh man, they they like. First of all, no one's ever going to be as good as uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s casting of of Iron Man. It's going to be hard to top that. But man, oh man, did they come close with casting Julia Louis-Dreyfus to be Madame Hydra. I mean, my God, the nail. They almost hit the nail right on the head there. Um, I don't think there's anyone else that could play her. I I can't think of anyone. No, I think it's just it's a perfect casting. It was just such a great surprise being a Seinfeld fan. Uh, yes, and Veep, and Veep fan, and just knowing how good of an actress she is, and now she has a, this big role to play uh, oh. in the whole upcoming picture. So very, she very belongs. Exciting. She yes. belongs in Marvel, and I'm yes. glad that she's with us now. Um, <laughs> another thing too is Sebastian Stan's portrayal, I think, of the Winter Soldier and the scene where the Dora Milaje had um, cured him. Uh, by saying the words, that scene where he just cried in front of the fire. Um, I cried too. His brain, his mind was his own. It wasn't anyone else's. Um, the men's he was trying to make with everyone. Um, that one scene where he said, what are we fighting Gandalf? How do you know Gandalf? I read The Hobbit when it came out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was just such a great line. It's a clever line to write, man. he's 106 um and just his reluctance to help sam was great uh the one scene where he helped him on the boat and he's like you got a metal arm why don't you use that he goes because i'm right-handed and i like forget that i have it (laughs) like it just to me it's just this little break from being a superhero to like what it would really be like ever since we saw them in the back of the car in civil war and they're giving, you know, Steve the the eye when he's making out with uh, Emily Van Camp's yeah. Agent Thirteen, uh, Sharon Carter. Sorry, <laughs> um, which I want to talk about in a second because you and I need to talk about that. But I, though, as a duo, um, I think that the shared show is perfect. The with the and 
I think the way that they're treating uh, Sebastian Stan's uh, Bucky uh, as the White Wolf and being this this heavily redeemed character who has been to Wakanda and has all these different ties and has has finally healed himself. It was such a nice secondary arc for a character that they did skip the mantle for, as we discussed at the beginning of the show. Exactly, exactly. Um, my last honorable mention goes to the Dora Milaje fight scene. Um, and then none other than Daniel Brühl playing uh, <laughs> Zemo, Baron Zemo. Um, that scene where where Bucky's, like, you're doing great, John, when he's <laughs> getting his ass handed to him by the Dora Milaje um, because they wanted Baron Zemo and they wanted to play a little game of measure mine and see who's longer. And he lost. But the depth and the addition to that character of Baron Zemo, played by Daniel Brohl, my God, so well done. So well done. Yeah, I liked him in Civil War, and this just opened up the character even more. Uh, also, the fact that we got to go to Madripoor, uh, which mm-hmm. is originally an X-Men location, uh, mm-hmm. is a huge thing, too, for for comic geeks. And that's, you know, listen up, casuals. If if we see a mutant walking around Madripoor in the future, we know they're coming. So where's Patch? Where's Wolverine? There, I'm getting a little geeky there. But um, no. yeah, no, absolutely. Um, including including uh, Wakanda in this hunting down Zemo was a great thing. It was just such a good tie to Civil War and just a way to, you know, tie, you know, bring in more characters, uh, which the fans love. So, Yes. And then at the very end, when Bucky held the gun at, at Zemo, Zemo ruined Bucky's life to split up the Avengers in Civil War. And man, did he do a great job of that. And Bucky... And that scene told him, I absolutely could have killed you if I wanted to. And it was my choice not to do that. You don't have control over me anymore because he was the one who gave him the words. He was the one who controlled Bucky. And you don't control me. I'm going to be better than you and I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to let the Dora. I'm going to let the Dora pull this one out. And, And honestly, I think that was the perfect ending to that whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we veer too far off, I think we're going to end on our good buddy, Sharon Carter. Yes. Um, and, cause I, I know you had some things to say about her and as do I. So what, what were we, what we want to say regarding Sharon and, and her explosive ending? Here's the thing about Sharon Carter, especially, uh, from what they've shown us in the movies, uh, what we know from her in the comics that she, I just felt like her betrayal is very off and it felt off. Right. I don't really think that you shared really well uh, with the Steve romance <laughs> at all. I don't think they should have even done that because it was such a strange thing because then he goes back uh, to Peggy uh, in the end. So in the comics, Sharon and, and Steve are a thing. That's that's their, they are lovers, everything. So a, maybe I'm a little tainted from the comics, but I also feel that her heel turn in this show is a little suspicious to me because I have a, I have a very, I have a, I mean, I, I told you right away what, what my theory is. Uh, and so do you want me to say it? I mean, it's not really spoilers. It's what I think. So yeah. uh, they announced the secret invasion TV show with Samuel, Samuel Jackson and um, Ben Mendelsohn. Right. So that's coming. Love Ben Mendelsohn. Oh my God. Critic. Um, so that seems to me it's down the line. And that was a big event in the comics there. And the big thing with it were the scrolls abducted people through the years. And I mean, through the years, they retconned some stories like Hank Pym uh, had been abducted back in the day. And then they took people from uh, modern day and then they replaced them with scroll. And that's what I think happened to Sharon. Uh, and I think they're going to be doing this. And my theory about that is this was an end credit scene uh, in WandaVision. The end credit scene was also scroll related. Uh, with Photon learning about yes. the Skrulls in orbit. So Marvel loves to weave their web of uh, of this of comic uh, lore a little bit here and there, but they also like to mislead us. Uh, so we'll see yes. if my theory holds up. But, you know, you you really like this turn. So why? No, why? I so first of all, uh, 
casuals, listen up. Um, <laughs> Skrulls are the green shape-shifting characters from the film um, Captain Marvel. Um, they can change themselves into anything or anyone um, at a moment's notice. Secret Invasion is a comics. Yes, Chris. Oh, and also at the end of uh, the second Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, right? Because at the very That's end, true. it's uh, Sam Jackson and um, uh, Maria Hiller scrolls, right? Yep. So that's another weird little thing. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please. Uh, it's, that's fine. Um, so the Secret Invasion is a comic book um, uh, event where we come to find out that these superheroes that we've been fo- following along over all these years were actually shape-shifting scrolls, and that that real superhero had been abducted years upon years upon years previous. So with Secret Invasion coming, and we know that it's coming from Marvel, does that mean that they're going to go back and we're going to find out like that, uh, I don't know, Black Widow was a scroll that... Um, Ant-Man is a scroll or whatever, you know, in the show, in these movies and shows that we've been watching, maybe vision was a scroll. We don't know, but maybe that's something that we're going to find out in this secret invasion. So maybe Sharon here who took this extreme pivot actually isn't Sharon. It's actually a scroll. That's Chris's point for, for the you casuals out there. That's it. Listen up. So what I thought about it was, I, I guess I don't have reference of Sharon in the comics. I just have reference of Sharon in the movies. And she seems like an opportunist, not for any reason of being uh, evil. She's not evil. She's not an evil person. She just sees opportunity. And she was really, really burned about being a wanted woman in the United States, especially after, you know, working for the United States, working for S.H.I.E.L.D., Um, I think that burned her bad and she was willing to do whatever she needed to do in order to survive um, without any real male, really any male content. She just she was just being a survivor. Um, You know, if she she was the power broker, we know that. And as the power broker, she could have had Sam and Bucky completely murdered, but she didn't want that. It was a problem to her that she had to solve without harming them. And I think that that speaks to her character. You know, if she was if she ended up being the real big bad and she was the one behind the Flag Smashers and she ended up getting like Sam or Bucky, like ended up like trying to have them killed at the end, then I would say, all right, that's a huge Sharon pivot. Like, I don't I couldn't see her ever doing that, but Mm -hmm. she didn't. She still fought with them. And I think that it's just because she's an opportunist that and that's why it's kind of hard for me to swallow that because she she followed in her aunt Peggy's steps, you know, and she like she was her idol. Um, she true. did come back and help Sam and and Bucky and because she wanted that that pardon, she was willing to go back to the country. Sure. So that's, you know, whether or not she's um, an agent of 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 the other side or she's a scrawl. It is interesting that they are including her more. I'm glad that Emily Van Camp's role is going to be expanded in, you know, the upcoming MCU. Sure. And Emily Van Camp, I think she did a fantastic, I think she always does a fantastic job in anything that she's in. Mm -hmm. There is speculation about the person she was on the phone with at the end, after the credits. It's Amelia Clark, the scroll queen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, The biggest, the biggest one is that she was speaking to Norman Osborn. And for those of you that don't know who Norman Osborn is, Norman Osborn is the Green Goblin, thusly bringing in Spider-Man. Does that theory come from because the, the, the grenades look like pumpkin bombs? It's part of it. Okay. I would but like they did. To see, I would love to see Norman Osborn show up, but Norman Osborn needs to show up to, to kind of unite the MCU and the Sony-verse. I think mm-hmm. that's... I think if Norman Osborn doesn't show up in Spider-Man first, it would be interesting uh, if they could do something like Dark Reign or something like that after the the supervillains are now the heroes, you know, something like that. So um, who knows? Uh, I'm really looking forward to as they're absorbing more and more of these characters, seeing them brought to life because, you know, with Phase 5 coming in a few years, that's just going to blow us away with X-Men and all that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chris, did you have anything else? No, man. I did have a blast, though, on our inaugural episode of Listen Up Casuals. No, I, I had I had a great time as well. Um, and we plan on giving you much more shows um, where we break down your 
casual watching into the geek realm. Um, with that being said, the next big, the next major Marvel show to be coming out is Loki. I can't wait for us to talk about that. Um, if you haven't watched WandaVision yet, make sure you watch it. It's weird and it's beautiful. Um, just stick with it. Give it three episodes. Same thing with this show. Yes. You know what I mean? I mean, at first people are like, what's going on? This is really slow. What's going to happen? Boom. Like slow yes. burn. It was great. So just it, enjoy it this, this, this longer form storytelling that's on TV now instead of that two, two and a half hour block that they're like, bam, bam, bam. Action. You know, action porn. No, absolutely. Marvel movies are great. They're they're not action porn. (laughs) No, I agree. I think though that the shows allow really allow for some serious character development, and that is something that they did um, with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. With that being said, we also take suggestions. So drop us a line over at the Defat Entertainment webs or I'm sorry, the Defat Entertainment page on Facebook and let Chris and I know of maybe something you want us to talk about, whether it's Star Wars or comic book related, um, you know, move uh, print to movies, print to TV shows. You let us know and we are um, we're happy to do an episode on it. We'll pick uh, we'll pick from the group. So with that being said, thanks you, thank you for listening to Listen Up Casuals. Um, make sure you check us out on the DFAT Entertainment Network, along with some awesome other podcasts like Towel Light Talk, Star Warriors, Critical Mass, Insensitive Culture, Campfire Chats. The list goes on and on wow. and on and on. Wow, that's a lot of shows. What a it network. is. What a network. What a oh. network. Yeah, check it out, guys. Uh, Rocco. Thank you for pitching this idea. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for doing this with me. I, I don't think I could do it with anyone else. Yeah, man. We we're looking for a show. So all you casuals out there, look forward to upcoming episodes. And this is Chris. And this is Rocco saying, always be listening, casuals. Casuals.